0: Hey, and welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor around here. And if you discovered Parkview for the first time at one of our Christmas services, either in person or online, welcome back. I'm glad we didn't scare you off. We do get a little wild sometimes, so sorry about that. First off, I'd love to know who you are and if there's any way we can help you take steps in your faith journey. The truth is that regardless of your past or your story, God has a step for everyone to take, and we want to help you with yours the easiest way for you to connect with us is by filling out the next steps form that you can find at parkviewchurch.com next steps. And if you're newer or you've been around a little bit and you've started thinking, you know, I'd love to know more about Parkview or where did Parkview come from? Did it just appear out of nowhere? Or I'd love to get more involved in what God is doing at the church, but I'm not sure how I want to invite you to a closer look at Parkview. You'll hear from our senior leader, Tim Harlow, and our executive pastor, Bill Brown, as they walk you through Parkview's journey, where God has brought us, and where we believe he's taking us. You can find more info at parkviewchurch.com slash closer look. And real quick, if you're someone who typically attends Parkview in person, you'll be able to gather at your campus starting the weekend of January 9th and 10th. But listen, when you do come back, every campus will have new service times. Why? because we want to make as much room as possible for people to hear about the hope of Jesus. And you can find new service times at parkviewchurch.com slash locations. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Enjoy the service.
1: Hey, Merry Post Christmas, Parkview. It's day three of Christmas, which I think if you're following the 12 days of Christmas calendar, it's uh, French hens. This means someone out there right now is about to get a gift of three French hens as a gift, because I'm told they make great pets. (laughs) I told my wife Anna today that today was the day to get a French hen as a gift, and she looked at me, she got quiet for a minute, and then she said, aw, a little chicken named Suki. Hey neighbors, guess what? I think we might be getting a chicken. Anyway, it's so good to be with you and it was good to be with you over this last week for all of our Christmas services because we know there's just a lot of people out there who really just needed to have a good Christmas. And it's like Pastor Tim said, you know, a lot of people are in need of climbing out of the trenches. And I know this year has forced a lot of us to kind of dig in and to stay put. And that's part of why I'm looking forward to this weekend, the new year. This past year, we have had to make some really tricky decisions. Some of them minor, some of them major, some of them life-changing. And for us, that included moving. Now I know, great idea, move during a pandemic, crazy thought. But we prayed about it and we got some advice and we took some steps and we moved. And so a few months back, our family sold our home and we moved into a new neighborhood. Now this neighborhood is literally five minutes away, and so we opted to do the majority of the move all by ourselves, which actually turned out to be somewhat of a letdown because I got to drive a 26-foot diesel truck that had a horn on it that sounded like a squeaky toy. I mean, no joke. I jump into this truck anticipating to hear this roar of a horn. I hit it, and it goes, beep, beep. Are you kidding me? Here's a photo of me climbing out of this monster truck sized rental after I shared my discovery with my friends. Look, after you celebrate the new year, hang on to your party horns. You might need it if your horn stops working. Ha! Anyway, the night before we moved, there was this rain in the forecast, and I knew I was going to have to get our 100-pound planners from the back patio into our truck. And so we made these things for Anna's birthday, and our plan was to bring them with us. Out of the blue... Our friends Alan, Jen stopped by to see if we needed anything, and when they asked, I was like, "Yeah, man, I-, I need some help." And so for the first 30 minutes, he helps me load these 100-pound planners onto the truck. I know I couldn't have done that by myself. Next day, I remember taking this moving truck filled to the top with driving and put it across town to our new home. And at one point while I'm driving, I happen to look in the rearview mirror, and I see four cars following close behind me. And these are cars filled with friends of mine who've cared enough not only to load this truck with me in the, ma- in the rain, but then actually follow me to my new place and unload it all again. Then after we unloaded, I come back to the old house for some last minute stuff. And as I walk in, I see Anna's parents cleaning windowsills, wiping kitchen countertops, and I see a longtime friend of mine named Cass cleaning our bathroom. You know you have people who care about you when they're willing to clean your bathrooms, wipe down your windows, and move 100-pound planners. I can't imagine doing that alone. I mean, I could have done it that way, but the availability of these relationships is what made the day feel less chaotic and actually enjoyable. It's incredible. I mean, even when we're exhausted, we're laughing and we're enjoying the day because of our friends and our family. So let me stop there for a minute. What are you trying to do all by yourself? What challenges are you facing that you know you don't wanna do alone? Even though we moved, there were things that we were carrying emotionally and spiritually that just came right with us. These things just like didn't disappear. And I know some of you right now are listening and you're carrying some heavy stuff. I know God tells us to cast our burdens on him, But man, sometimes that's so much easier said than done. And if God's design for us is to be in community with others, and yet we find ourselves more disconnected in a day and age when we're more connected than ever before, I mean, what do we do with that? Before this year, 60% of Americans reported they had at least one relational or emotional mental health issue that was affecting their relationships. And that's a conservative estimate. So where do you think that number is after this year? As with my family, uh, most moms and dads have been trying to navigate this online, in-person hybrid thing. And Anna and I have three kids. They're all in public school, and all of which are doing some sort of this in-person hybrid e-learning thing. And as the months have gone on, and we've talked a lot about how it's going for our kids, they've had to lift some heavy things themselves too. How to be with their friends. I mean, as parents, we don't want to imagine our kids going to school all alone or not seeing their friends. Making friendships is all part of growing up. I mean, isn't it a gift as a parent when you find out that your kid has a friend in their class who actually just moved in the same neighborhood as you? I mean, am I right? This is why Zoom and Google and all these other online platforms of education are so challenging because at some real level, they're very isolating. And it's to the point now where my kids actually come home and they're like, hey, Ma, can I have some friends come over in real life It's that like real life part that shows up now because they're asking, because so much of their heavy lifting is online. Now look, I'm not a fan of being on my own a lot and I don't really want that for my kids either. I mean, sometimes it's exactly what I need. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes it's what my kids need too, but too much alone time never ends up good for me. And parents, you know that too much time alone for your kids isn't good either. I mean, when did that ever translate to a bedroom getting picked up, dishes getting done, or even the garbage being taken out? My point here is solitude can be like a souvenir in your day, but isolation doesn't work that way. Solitude is this amazing gift from God, and yet isolation, that's kind of a tool of the enemy. If you open up to the beginning of the Bible, you find the creation story, these moments where God causes the planet to flourish and then gives breath to humanity. But have you ever noticed something about God's reactions to what he's making? Everything he makes prior to creating Adam, God says, it's good. But after God creates man, notice what God's reaction is. And I'll read it here. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So what is God seeing? He notices something that isn't good, loneliness. He says it's not good for Adam to be alone. And that he needs another human being to actually fully realize his own humanity. Think about this. God and Adam are together. They're in perfect relationship. Adam is with God, perfect with him. And he's being given this this place to live with all these plants and these trees in the garden. He's even being granted the opportunity to name the animals. And then in an effort to make it good for Adam, Adam has all he needs to relate with God, not so much. God still feels the need to say, it's still not good yet. He shouldn't be alone. God wanted Adam to connect, to find togetherness, to experience relationship with another human, not just with the creation and the divine. So God gives him Eve. But what about relationships with Jesus? How did Jesus handle it? Let's jump to the book of Mark and let's look at how Jesus handled his relationships. In Mark chapter three, we see the exact same approach that God had with Adam When Jesus appoints his apostles, Jesus goes up on the mountainside and this is what he says. He says, Jesus goes up on the mountainside and he calls all those he wanted and they came to him. And he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to eventually have the authority to drive out demons. Mark 3 is telling us that Jesus appointed 12 men to be apostles, that they might be with him and they might send them out. So Jesus wants more than just the disciples to do things for him. He's inviting his disciples into a relationship with them. Jesus is modeling intentionality. He's modeling consistency. He's showing us the value of how we're to live. But then look at Acts chapter 2. Even further down, when the church is now beginning to grow and all these believers are hanging out with each other, this is the beginning of the new world. Right after Jesus has gone to heaven, And now all the disciples are left in the task of building this church. And look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The very first church was built on relationship with each other. And they experienced God. And they flourished. Even as God initiates the launch of the church, he does it with the value of relationships. And so this is kind of where it gets tricky for us. We're connected with more people than we've ever been before. We have more acquaintances and more friends than we've ever had. But how are we choosing to develop them? I mean, unhurried space has kind of disappeared from our lives. We're like there's no room for conversation for love to actually cross the gap from one person to another. And I know you know this, but now conversations happen and we're not even really looking at each other. Something is happening to us. And that's part of the reason why I love our church. And I love our leadership. It's because we talk a lot about coming to church as you are. We don't carry this pretense about us. We're an open book and you can come and you can feel like you belong because you're surrounded with people who are choosing to be the same way. Come as you are, is what you're going to hear us say. Our church has made an effort to be okay with talking about things that we struggle with. In fact, I think it's just a snapshot of our culture over the last decade or so of coming to terms with these issues that really are important to talk about, like depression or anxiety. And I think we're getting better at loving each other when we hear someone say to us, hey, I'm struggling with depression, or hey, I'm struggling with anxiety. But rarely do I hear people say things like, hey... I feel lonely. Now, that's a layer of vulnerability that most people don't feel safe to take. And I think this is the biggest threat to us as we flourish on this planet. The biggest threat is loneliness. Companionship and friendship, authentic relationships, this is what helps us navigate to these challenges we're facing. I mean, doesn't it feel good when someone you know, is there for you when you're in grief? Doesn't it encourage you when you're stressed and someone just shows up in your circle to help you out? I mean, these relationships make a world of difference for us. We're not meant to do this alone. You know, I'm surprised, I think, when God knows exactly what I need more than I know what I need. There's these times when I live my life and I'm trying to get what I need, and then I ask God to, like, bless my work, and I find myself still wanting. And then there's these moments, I think, where I take a little bit more time to notice what God's actually already given me as a means to actually address what I need and I find I'm better off. You know, Jesus died, he died for our sin. He made it possible for us to be connected with God and connected with his people. And because he's done this, he's already given us what we need to get on this right path to flourishing relationships. We've just got to take a step and we've got to connect. Over the years, God has given me some incredible people Some people in my life that I care and love for very much. And when I look back and I see where these people have willingly chosen to care for me, I realize that the circles that I'm a part of are actually good for me. Some of these connections were casual, but they were still good. And so I want us to consider some good things for us in hopes that it's going to stir our thinking and to help us not do this life alone. Like to, to climb out of these trenches that I think Pastor Tim was referring to and trying to lift these things that we really weren't meant to carry alone. And so here's the first one Being a church is good. Being a church is good. It's good for us to go to church, either online or in person. I can give you countless examples of how being a church wherever I was living in my life impacted me. I've made it through some of the heaviest seasons of my life because people at church cared for me. And it's good for me to be a part of this larger group of people who are trying to learn about themselves and they're trying to learn about God and they're trying to make a difference. And when I say it's good, I don't just mean like it's a walk in the park. I mean, it has challenges too. Two years ago, uh, Ann and I were serving in an entirely different church. And then we chose to come to Parkview. And that has brought some grief to say, only because we've had to say goodbye to some people that we love and we still care about And we still have relationships with. I mean, maybe for you, you've moved. And now you have to find a new church to be a part of. Or maybe you didn't move and the church you're a part of now has actually hurt you. And it's really just hard to be there. Or even now, you've just moved online. Easy or hard, it's still good. The church keeps on meeting online and in person, big crowds and small crowds, in an effort to honor God and to be together. It's good. It's good. Second, it's good to go deeper. It's good for us to be intentional with a smaller group of people. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, over the years, I've been given some extraordinary friends because they've made connecting with me a priority in their life. And it's been good for me. Their intentionality, their consistency with helping me has actually grown me. It's been good to have close neighbors. It's been good to have close friends with extended family. It's even been good to pursue depth with others who aren't even like me. And yet, they're still in my circle, and it's good. In fact, here's a good step to take. In a few weeks, we're going to actually start an experience called Rooted. It's a 10-week study aimed at helping you make some new relationships and learn more about God all at the same time. I've heard people say this experience is one of the best steps they've ever taken. In fact, one person actually told us it was literally saving her life. The construct of the community with God at the center, it's life-giving. I don't want you to miss it. Why? Because it's good to be connected with the church and it's good to go deeper in a smaller group. But let me stop right there. It's not exactly the easiest time to get together with people, is it? I mean, here, right now, in this year. So here's something we can do right now together. You and me, it's something we can do and it's something I've done a lot in my life. It's good to pray. It's amazing to go back to Genesis and see how God notices the need for relationship in Adam or to look at Jesus in the New Testament and realize that he empathizes with those who are lonely and those who have been outcasted and those who are on the fringes. He reminds us that his load is easy. His burden is light. And this is why I say it's good to pray, because it's in moments of loneliness, moments of feeling disconnected, or these burdens that you bring are way too big to carry that I've actually taken a moment and asked God to help me navigate it to provide for me in ways I know I just can't do by myself. It's good for me to say something like, God, help me make some new friends. Or God, who should I spend more time with right now? These are powerful questions. And when we ask them, we become more aware of who's actually already in our circle. I mean, these people that God has actually put right into our life. Look, don't doubt God when he puts people in your life when you're praying about it. Should I call my neighbor? Should I ask my coworker how they're doing? Should I ask my kid's teacher how the year's going for them? Or ask my doctor how they're doing? Don't doubt what we pray about. Love those who God puts in front of you and then watch how God builds those relationships. You know, if there's something we've learned over this last year, it's that we're being reminded of what really is valuable to us. And so as we go into another year, I want to leave us with this. All the way in the back of the Bible, at the end of the second letter of John, John writes to a lady and her children. And he makes a statement that has always caught my attention. I I want to share it with you. This is what he says. I have much to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. If he were writing this today, he might say something like this. I've got so much to tell you. I could text you. I could shoot you an email. I could Facebook you, tweet you. I could Snapchat you. I could even write you a card and put it in the mail. Remember that? But I'm going to wait until we see each other in person because I know it'll feel better to be together when we talk. God designed us to live life together. And so when we live like this, we experience this amazing joy that God wants us to have. And so my hope and my prayer is that we'll find more joy this coming year because we'll take some steps to be more intentional, be more consistent, more available for others. And I think what we'll find is this unhurried space to actually be face-to-face. Hey, let's pray together. God, uh, thanks for being good to us. God, thank you that you love us so much that you'd come after us, that you'd pursue us. And so, Lord, in the midst of that, if we're carrying some burdens that are too heavy for us, or Father, we're in a moment right now where we do feel lonely or disconnected, Father, that you'd show up and you'd provide in an unbelievable way. God, thank you for loving us like you do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.
0: It's an encouragement to know that the God who created the universe is pursuing a relationship with each and every one of us. Like Chad mentioned in his sermon, Rooted is one of the best things you can do for your faith and your relationships in the new year. We have groups available both in person and online. To find more information and to register, go to parkviewchurch.com slash rooted. As we close out 2020, I want to say thank you to those of you who've been so generous with the resources God has given to you. This year has been challenging to say the least, but it's because of what God has done with your financial support that has allowed us to continue reaching and serving thousands of people with his love. There's no doubt that living generously is the best way to live. So if you're ready to experience what that kind of life feels like, go over to parkviewchurch.com give and start supporting the mission of Parkview. And just a reminder, if you normally mail in your giving, that will need to be postmarked by December 31st for it to count on your 2020 taxes. And just think, The next time we spend time with each other will be on the other side of 2020. And I could not be more excited about next year and all that God is going to do through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. See you next time.